Bruce McCurdy, Cult of Hockey, the Edmonton Journal. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm well, thanks. This morning, and it's got to be the starry night uh, for me, my favorite, just about my favorite painting, period. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Vincent fan, and I absolutely love that one for reasons that uh, I'm sure you'll understand. Well, it's probably that damn sky you talk about all the time, McCurdy. <laughs> yeah, it's probably that. Well, you know, you take the whole, you know, you know, sky, and you make a big damn deal about it every time. People get to know you for that. It's a pretty big place, Al. <laughs> Well, uh, I don't know how what the the award room for Connor McDavid is going to be, but that's a pretty big place too. You, you know, when they oh. said when they said last night six hundred assists and the only guys quicker were Gretzky, Lemieux, and Orr, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Gretzky two hundred games quicker, Lemieux hundred games quicker, or I think it was eight or something. Uh, and uh, behind them, you know, mere humans. Uh, but uh, uh, it's astonishing to to even get in that conversation in the 21st century with the uh, much stronger uh, emphasis that there is on defensive play and goal suppression than uh, it was during the heydays of those guys in the 70s and 80s. Are you, um, you know, I, I the question I want to ask you, so I'm just going to ask you, and it's not necessarily based on last night. I look at this team, and I, I like the third line, uh, McLeod and Holloway and whoever. I don't really care who. Uh, but I think that, that Leon with Kane needs a right winger. Fogel uh, got bumped down in the game last night. Uh, and I look externally and internally, and I, I, I don't know if there's a perfect fit. Um, I wish they had Fernando Pisani in about 2005 right now, but they don't. Uh, where are you with this, Bruce? Do you think there's an internal thing that they could plug and play in there, or do you think they have to go outside for the second line winger? Well, Fogel's about the best that they've had. Um, I looked up his uh, stats this morning, and out of the top 384 uh, forwards by ice time at 5-on-5, five five, which is 12 per team, um, he ranks 40th in points per 60. And then I looked at a different list to find out he ranks 204th in cap hit for forwards mm. uh, in the NHL. So they're paying him like a high-end third liner, which I, I, I think is a more fair sort of um, representation of him. But he's been, you know, his scoring, especially in December and January, was excellent. Now, there's no doubt that uh, since they came back in February, his game has fallen off a bit, and he's kind of dropped down the charts. But uh, has, you know, it's four games, uh, so I wouldn't quite give up on that guy just yet. Uh, and you know, they got a month because, or three weeks, I guess now, because uh, uh, the way the um, the salary cap works, the longer they wait. Uh, the more cap space they have, and the fewer days they'll have to pay it to the new guy that makes more. So it really, you know, sort of each day works doubly in their in their favor. So while they're waiting, you know, they have chance to check out things. I've checked out Corey Perry. Uh, my concern with that line was always speed, and I think that got exposed by the speedy Red Wings last night, who were just pouring over the blue line with uh, area forward in sight on a, on too many occasions when. Uh, when those guys were out there, and Fogel does bring that, uh, but you know there are good options out there. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko is certainly a, 
an interesting name that uh, we know already that you know Ottawa is not going to be competing for a playoff spot. Whereas looking at names like Jake Gensel on a team that is still right in the playoff hunt and has you know four highly paid uh, players, thirty three plus, that probably aren't going to say, "Well, boys, we traded your best winger for futures" as a, as an appropriate answer. So. It, you know, let's let's see what happens in the standings for the next three weeks as well. But in the meantime, sure, there's time to experiment, and maybe it's time Dylan Holloway got his look there. He had uh, he had his moments last night, and I noticed after his his great goal uh, early in the third that uh, he wound up getting promoted into basically uh, Perry's spot for the rest of the game, and he did okay. The the thing about Fogel and and maybe Holloway too, although we haven't seen him enough to really make that call. I I look at Fogel on the second line as being the like somewhat similar to Kyler Yamamoto, not in style, but in terms of you're you're taking a guy who maybe is 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 there's a lot of things he brings that that make him um, a candidate for the role, perhaps not ideal. The issue I have though mm-hmm. is when we talk about you know, and Tarasenko is a good one, but we've also talked about Eberle and others. I'm just mm-hmm. not absolutely certain that the the level between whatever Fogel's faults are and whatever the strengths mm-hmm. are of the player coming in, I don't know if it's worth it, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's say they could trade him straight up for Eberle, and Seattle would trade uh, retain half, and that would completely balance out their. Uh, their cap hit. Now, when I say straight up, I'm thinking Edmonton would also have to include something to get that trade done. And is that worth it? Uh, I mean, is Everly 40th in the league in five on five points for think 60? I don't think so. Uh, you know, uh, to me, Fogel's actually been outperforming his contract this year, but mm-hmm. uh, the way the Oilers payroll structure is set up is they got a bunch of guys at five million plus with no movement clauses in the term. And, you know, they're just completely off the table at the bottom end, they got a bunch of guys at a million minus that no matter how many of them you move out, the guys that come in to replace them are also going to be making the same money at that at minimum. And so there's really only three guys sandwiched in the middle, well, four if you want to count Stu Skinner, but I don't, uh, who sort of are at the focal point. And Fogel is one of them along, of course, with CC and Kulak as guys where if you move them, you actually are creating some cap space with which you could do something. And if you think you can improve on those guys within the, within those constraints, well, that's where, uh, uh, that's where your moves are. But uh, at the same time, uh, I'm not keen to sell short what those guys have been doing for the team. And I, I've seen some sort of criticism online for various members of that trio and, uh, I think that for the large part they've been uh, uh, they've been performing for you know the mid-range uh, contracts that they're receiving. They're not paid to be superstars, and they're not. The uh, the penalty kill is like me on a diet, Bruce. I go really well for a while, and then I I fall off, and I I order you know three burgers, and I mm-hmm. I, I, I the last the last few games they were doing so well, Bruce, and it was such a great story. You know, new coach comes in, new system, whatever the hell it was doing, it was great. Uh, and w- now we're back to dough, and it doesn't look good. Well, they went from forty for forty-one to one for their next six. <laughs> so they went from like 90, what is that, 98% to 17%. <laughs> 
So that's a, that's what you call in the stock market a correction. Yeah. And it was a, a, well, I say was, let's hope it's in the past tense now, because it's three games in a row, they had just a brutal time of it. And uh, <clears throat> last night, I mean, it was the first PK unit couldn't get the puck over the blue line either time. Took about fifty seconds the first time, ten seconds the second time. They just sort of took it to the net and hammered away at it until it finally went in, and it's, it isn't good enough. And uh, it's something they're clearly going to have to uh, uh, to focus on. At the same time, the forty for forty one was a little bit of a mirage. Like you got to have other teams missing shots, hitting posts, goalies making miraculous saves. You know, deflections working in your favor because you can't, that's unsustainable over the longer term. It's just pretty surprising to see it get corrected in such a brutal fashion. I, I swear to God, Bruce, I do think of different questions to ask you every week, but mm. I'm going to ask you this one for the 60th time this oh, season. No. Here we go. Yep. What are the Oilers' needs right now? <sighs> Um, top six winger. Uh, I, I'm I'm still sort of sticking on uh, right shot center um, for the bottom six, who can kill penalties and uh, basically do what Nick Buchta did last year for the stretch drive and first round of the playoffs uh, for you know three hundred thousand below minimum. <laughs> That's that would be an ideal an ideal get. Like that, talk about a targeted move by by Holland. That that one was really striking. Even as, of course, he's getting criticized for it today because of what he gave up in that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that sort of player, uh, I, I'm not keen on the size in the bottom six. And I mean, they miss Cost and they miss uh, Bugstad, two big guys they brought in last year, who I thought really helped in, the, in that lower end of the roster. And Perry is uh, Perry is sort of one step in that direction. I wouldn't mind seeing another guy with a little bit of size. But who can play, there. right? Like who can actually who can play? play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Nick Bukestad. Yes. So yeah. you know, someone someone like that, it'll be different because Bukestad's you know in a different tax bracket now. He's signed for two years, and and you know he's moved on. But uh, they want to to uh, maybe look to find a player in that ilk. Um. This is one that I that I've just I'm mulling now, so you're going to get a really awkward question, but I mean it, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched Craig McTavish uh, bring first round picks to training camp: Yanni Rita, Alexei Mikhanov, others, um, mm-hmm. Heinrich, and they they would not make the team, and they would not become NHL players. But guys like Bassani and others would Horkoff uh, instantly become players that that that. For some reason, he was able to turn into NHL players, and maybe it had a lot to do with two-way play. But I'm watching uh, a lot of Bakersfield Condors right now, and I noticed that uh, Ryan Holt has tweeted out the, the lines for tonight. Xavier Burgo is on the fourth line, and Tyler Tulio is on the top line. And I'm not I, – I, that's on merit. Tulio scored two goals mm-hmm. in two games. Borgo looks lost, and, and this sometimes happens. But it's it's – um, I guess it's part of the crapshoot of young players and prospects, and certainly Borgo's not a lost cause or anything like that. But from the point of view of, of these young players, is it safe to say that the kids who play forward in the AHL now, and that excludes obviously Dylan Holloway, 
don't have enough value to turn to move the needle in a trade, or do you think somebody like Lavoie does? Oh, move the needle. Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, I'll, I will push back slightly at your, at your use of the word instantly. In the case of Fernando Pisani, it took two and a half years after he turned pro from four years in university before he made the NHL. And sometimes that's what it takes for these, uh, uh, you know, middle round guys who, you know, who do the right things and keep improving and improving. It still takes them a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Borgo, I'm getting to the point where I'm becoming more concerned that he's just not going to push the needle. I mean, we're in the back half of his second pro year, and here he is, you know, getting demoted on merit to, or on demerit to the uh, fourth line. And where where is the upside? You watch the games, you see nice things from this player, but none of them ever seem to result in pucks going into the net. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe he's a depth player, but he, you know, he too is not a particularly big guy. I mean, I, I can see him being uh, morphing into a, you know, a, a checker, penalty killer, chips in here and there. And, I mean, that's not too far removed from description of Fernando Pisani when it comes to that. But uh, uh, I I don't see him progressing in in a way that screams future NHLer. Yeah. So that, that is a concern. Trade value, uh, I'm not sure that Edmonton's got any sort of surfeit of young prospects that other teams don't have in their system. So, well, we're, we're always ranked 25th. No. On, by the athletic and the uh, yeah. uh, for for prospect depth and you know they got a few nice players down there and you know maybe there's a Michael Kesselring that they can turn into a Nick Bukestad but uh, uh, I, I, there's nobody that really jumps off the page to me. Uh, final one. It is Valentine's Day. Uh, happy Valentine's to your to your bride. And I was wondering if you have a favorite rom com. Oh, rom-com. As in a movie, like? <laughs> or a show? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just... I, I, <laughs> I kind of... I, I don't know. We like... we. My, my wife has a long list of them. Uh, I like Sleepless in Seattle the okay. first four or five times, you know. But, you know, we kind of know what's happening next now. Uh, but, uh, yeah... It is that day, and uh, happy Valentine's Day, Tynes Day to one and all. And uh, thinking of people without their Valentines on days like this, like yourself, Mister Mitchell. Yeah, it's and uh, my thoughts go out to you. Well, you're very sweet. Thank you, Bruce. You have a good you have a good day. Okay, thanks. All right. Okay. Thank you, Alan. Have a great week. I've been interviewing Bruce McCurdy for decades, and I stump him on. <laughs> What's your favorite rom com? You mean like a movie? <laughs> I gotta. I've been. I've been trying for twenty years to stump McCurdy, and it never occurred to me just to ask him about, <laughs> about a romance movie. Uh, I enjoyed that far more than anybody else.